Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. WrestleMania 37 tickets go on sale March 16th. WWE signs new broadcaster and I take you through how much female pro wrestling has changed in my lifetime and where it's headed today. I'm Jaden Becker and this is the Daily DDT Podcast. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite platforms for your morning drive, lunch break, or whenever you need your wrestling fix. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, Check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JadenBeckerTV. Last night was Monday Night Raw, but before we get to that, let's check out our news. WrestleMania 37 tickets go on sale March 16th. WWE has announced that a limited number of tickets for its two-night WrestleMania will go on sale Tuesday, March 16th, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern. Ticket prices for WrestleMania range from $35 to $2,500 and can be purchased on Ticketmaster. Two-day combo tickets will also be available. So once again, tickets will go on sale Tuesday, March 16th, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern. So be there or be square if you're trying to go to WrestleMania. They are in limited quantity. As you know, we're still in a global pandemic. So if you're trying to make your way over to WrestleMania in Tampa Bay, uh, you better be on that uh, website, at least be on Ticketmaster, uh, ready to go. Definitely ready to go. A WWE Science broadcaster, Kevin Egan, he'll now be going by Kevin Patrick, set to join WWE as a backstage correspondent for Monday Night Raw, which we did see on Monday Night Raw, which I will get into in a little bit after this piece of news. Uh, he will be the play-by-play commentator for WWE Main Event and as the host of Raw Talk. Uh, he, as a studio host, play-by-play commentator and reporter Patrick has been fortunate to travel the world combining his love for sports broadcasting and entertainment uh, I think he did a good job today on uh, on Raw he filled, he filled his way into the middle he was uh, uh, the interviewer backstage like how we've seen Charlie do and Caleb Braxton do and all the stuff like that so uh, great job by uh, Kevin Patrick or Kevin Egan and now going by Kevin Patrick so good on him and uh, welcome to the WWE. Last night was Monday Night Raw and it started off with The Miz taking on Bobby Lashley in a rematch for the WWE Championship. Bobby Lashley obviously now the WWE Champion after winning it on last week's episode of Monday Night Raw. Bobby Lashley with a great promo that uh, he recorded prior to uh, the show. Uh, so he was walking in with the Hurt Business, and uh, they had an interview segment there before the the show started, but it aired at the st- at the top of Raw. Uh, I thought it was really really nice what he said. Uh, he finally making it to the top of the wrestling world uh, after 16, 17 years in professional wrestling. He finally did it, and uh, yeah, it was really really nice to see from him. Uh, the Miz enters. Uh, lack of fireworks. I thought that was pretty funny. In his entrance, I thought that was a good visual because the camera was intentionally showing how he didn't have the pyro that he had last week or two weeks ago, if you will. So, uh, yeah, it it was nice to see him uh, be in that situation. And now, uh, moving forward, that lack of fireworks is going to be a constant reminder 
of uh, what it means to not be or to be a champion. Uh, he says that, well, the Miz says that his body failed him and that we should have believed him given the fact that uh, he has never been injured in his career besides the time he got absolutely destroyed in a concussion at WrestleMania 27, uh, falling over the barricade. Uh, he should be given credit for outsmarting Bobby Lashley, uh, which is a good point. He did outsmart Bobby Lashley, but I thought that was pretty obvious as well, given the fact that you could have won by, uh, well, not won, but retained the WWE Championship by uh, being counted out or disqualification. And he believes that he'll regain the title in his rematch against Bobby Lashley. Uh, Bobby Lashley with a new entrance video package, which I thought was great. And oh my goodness, does he look fantastic with the WWE Championship around his waist. Uh, I want a better pyro for Bobby Lashley, funny enough. Uh, not the first time uh, this week we've been disappointed by pyro, but uh, I digress. Uh, glad they're getting this match out the way early on as well. Uh, with this match being put on first, not at the main event, I'd rather it be put on first, not the way, let Bobby Lashley show that he's dominant and show all the new viewers coming in after Bobby Lashley won uh, the WWE Championship, who he is, what he, what he is, what he represents to the company at the moment, and how dominant he can be in the ring. Uh, Lashley was dominant early on until he was driven into the ring post on the outside two times. Drew McIntyre watches on backstage. The Miz taps out to the Hurt Lock, and Bobby Lashley retains. Great way to start off the show. Once again, I'm so happy for Bobby Lashley. I couldn't be more happy for him, and now that they're uh, giving him the respect that he deserves, especially with what he's doing uh, in that entrance, I thought it was great. Just a little bit more pyro, a little bit more pyro, especially he's the champion now. He deserves it, uh, without a doubt. Uh, backstage, Drew McIntyre in an interview after the match. Sheamus attacks McIntyre backstage. Uh, I thought this feud between the two was over after the match that we saw last week, but I guess not. Uh, McIntyre finds Pierce backstage after the attack, and there will be a no DQ match later in the night that we will get into. Uh, Braun Strowman demands an apology from Shane McMahon uh, in this segment <laughs> in a rage of anger. Uh, McMahon is called out by Braun Strowman. McMahon enters and only says two words, I apologize, and leaves. Uh, Mac and, uh, excuse me. Uh, McMahon turns around walking up the ramp and he turns back around to say something but leaves instead. And uh, It's going to be Strowman McMahon at Mania. It's going to happen. They haven't announced it yet, but it's going to happen. Just letting you know now. And uh, if it stayed at this, I would have been happy with the segment. If it was just this part where McMahon, uh, Shane McMahon went and turned around, looked at Braun Strowman as if he was going to say something else and just walked away, I would have been happy with that. But we will see later that there was another segment that sort of soiled it for me at least. Uh, Sheamus versus Drew McIntyre in the no DQ match that I just mentioned. That that match was right after the Braun Strowman segment. Uh, McIntyre attacks Sheamus during Sheamus's entrance. As the match starts, the two brutalize each other on the outside, throwing each other over announce table and the barricade and over the steel steps. It was really really tough early on. A Dublin smile from Sheamus, which was a fantastic visual. A Dublin smile, if you missed the show, is when you, you take your fingers and stretch out the cheeks of your opponent, making them smile, but you're ripping at their cheeks. I thought that was awesome, awesome, awesome visual. 
Uh, really, they zoomed really hard into McIntyre's face as Sheamus was wrenching back on his cheeks. I thought that was really, really nice. And the welts on the back of McIntyre as well from the kendo stick shots. Another great visual as well. Uh, we've seen that with Dominic Mysterio and the shots that he took and the pictures that they took after the fact. And, you know, kendo stick can do some damage and leave some welts on your back. and might as well take advantage of it and put show the contrast of the mat and the regular skin that you have in your back. It's just, ugh, it's nasty, but it's really, really nice to see, especially in a brutal match like this. Uh, both attack each other with the steel steps towards the back end of the match, leaving uh, the referee to uh, call for the match because both competitors were left unable to continue. Uh, they both ran at each other, like, head first with the steel steps, like, next to their head, so they both, like, concussed themselves or knocked themselves out, if you will. Uh, the ref ends the match, and as neither can continue. Uh, it was a fun finish, I thought. I thought it was a fun finish. You might be mad at me for saying that, given that it was a false finish, but I feel like we haven't seen something like that specifically in quite some time, and it is really, really a unique spot, and it gives me the idea that they're on that equal playing field at this point. Uh, McIntyre obviously a little bit higher from what he's done from an influence standpoint and what he's done for the WWE throughout uh, uncharted waters, as I like to say. But uh, Sheamus, once again, being built up as this monster, as a star, and uh, doing a great job with it. Uh, I would love to see this for the belt, if it was for the belt at the time, if McIntyre was holding it, but obviously not. And uh, there's a missing potential there. But at the same time, I also enjoy the fact that there is no championship involved, given the fact that now it allows McIntyre to lose. It's okay for McIntyre to lose. For him losing doesn't mean there has to be a future title opportunity, or Sheamus just doesn't have to carry the WWE championship, which I don't think WWE wants. I don't think, honestly, we really want right, right now. We want to see Bobby Lashley run with it and as great as he could possibly be with nothing being in his way. But silent match. Uh, obviously, this feud is not over given the false finish, and I'm c excited to see where this continues to go. Uh, obviously, we might see some gimmick match at Fastlane, like a no DQ type of, uh, you know, Northern European type of gimmick match. We'll see. We'll definitely see. Shelton Benjamin versus Xavier Woods. Uh, Benjamin in control early on. Woods rolls up Benjamin after talking trash to Kofi Kingston and wins. So Xavier Woods picks up the victory over one half of the WWE Raw Tag Team Champions. Uh, they will have a match next week. That was This match next week was announced prior to this match. So the new day of Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston will take on Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander. Should be a fun match uh, for the WWE Raw Tag Team Championships. Uh, do I think the new day will win? That's a tough question. You might think uh, I'm crazy for even considering the fact of it. Maybe further down the line, we see the New Day win a uh, the Raw Tag Team Championships once again. But the only problem I see, they can go two ways. New Day, they hold on to, they win the championships, they take it to WrestleMania, cash cows. Uh, but if you're sticking with the consistent storytelling, uh, I would say the Hurt Business hold on to it until Mania as well with Bobby Lashley. And then I expect the Hurt Business to probably fold at some point late in the summer. I feel like that's more of a summer thing for WWE to do to let the Hurt Business collapse. Uh, I, I love what they're doing. They're at the absolute peak right now of you, as you could be with the Hurt Business. We'll probably see even them be even higher at WrestleMania. 
uh, given the entrances that they could possibly do. So I'm excited for the future of the Hurt Business, at least the short future of it. And I'm also excited to see uh, the boost that Cedric Alexander gets and Bobby Lashley has. We were I, I don't think we can see the boost from Bobby Lashley anymore. We've already seen it, and we're, we're at that moment. We're in the moment of Bobby Lashley's boost of being in the Hurt Business. Uh, we're in we're in the move, movement of Shelton Benjamin, and I think we will see a bigger boost from Cedric Alexander possibly winning uh, the United States Championship further down the line. But you gotta give a lot of credit to MVP, man. I didn't give him a lot of credit last time uh, when we first last talked about Bobby Lashley, but he gets a ton of credit in the world for what he was able to do with that Hurt Business, bringing that faction together. And look where they are now. Look where they are now. Going from the VIP lounge to the championship lounge, if you will. Next match, Riddle versus Slapjack with Mustafa Ali ringside with Slapjack. Slapjack attacks the toes of Riddle to take advantage. More people should do that more often. You know, this guy's not wearing shoes in the ring, so, you know, why not attack his uh, toes? I feel like that was a smart move by Slapjack, someone I don't, uh, haven't considered smart in the ring for quite some time, at least as Slapjack, not as his uh, NXT role. Riddle has a tough time getting an offense early on, but Riddle does find an opening and connects with the Bro Derek to pick up the win. Ali will face Riddle for the United States Championship next week on Raw. Uh, I feel like, yes, they're stacking the card a little bit next week. I'm curious what this big announcement is going to be. There's supposed to be two big announcements on NXT coming up from William Regal. And I wonder if it's supposed to affect the whole WWE landscape. So I'm curious on what that announcement could be, especially given the fact that uh, they're stacking this card for Raw. I feel like something really important could be coming from Regal. I know there's one that came out that was leaked, and I, it's, it's a spoiler. I'm not going to say it on this podcast, nor do I even know it. So I don't like to be spoiled myself, personally. I like to enjoy the show and watch it as a fan, much like how you watch it as a fan. I, I want to indulge in that same enjoyment. I don't want to enjoy, enjoy it as a critic. I want to enjoy it as a fan, as a person watching it, as if I was... Uh, drinking a beer and watching it with my friends. That's how I want to enjoy professional wrestling. So, uh, you know, I don't like the spoilers in that sense, and I know why would I give it to you. But I feel like something big definitely could be f- coming soon with the WWE, especially with the announcement from NXT. It's supposed to be two, so we'll definitely see. Uh, Shane McMahon and Braun Strowman again. They had a second segment later on in the show, and this is it. Uh, McMahon grabs uh, another microphone. He was in the ring first, and he grabs another microphone to cover the fact that he was walking out of the ring and away from Braun Strowman so he doesn't get attacked. Uh, McMahon hesitates on what he needs to say, leaving us all in uh, suspense or full suspense, if you will, because it wasn't really a true suspenseful moment that it didn't need to be, and plays games with Braun Strowman, trying to call him stupid without calling him stupid, and then he pulls out the Braun line on us. He runs away from Braun Strowman and runs to the back. Braun Strowman walks away as he couldn't find Shane McMahon as he assumed that Shane McMahon drove away in a car, but... Uh, Shane McMahon actually was just hiding off to the side as Braun Strowman walked away. I thought this was a stupid and worthless segment. To be honest with you, better off just ending it on the first one. This segment didn't need to happen. There's no reason why Shane McMahon needed to say the things that he said. And I felt like there, if Shane McMahon was, instead of pulling the stupid line out, he could have pulled out, well, I think I could beat you in a fight. 
type of line, I felt like that would have been a better uh, line of approach instead of just being like a, a bully, if you will, to someone that can obviously rip his arms and legs off. So it, a little odd for me, given that, but uh, I think, and you know, Braun Strowman being the, the baby face in this situation compared to Shane McMahon, also a little odd going forward. So I didn't really need this for me. I felt like Shane McMahon could have taken this in another direction. WWE and as a whole could have taken this in another direction, but it is what it is, what it currently stands. Uh, Naomi and Lana take on Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. The championship titles that should, should be on Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez, but I digress. I really, really wanted them to hold on to those belts, but we could see them get their own belts possibly from this NXT announcement. Uh, once again, I'm not sure, but that's one of my predictions for what it could be. Um, and going forward, we definitely could see that on NXT, which would be really nice. Reginald enters with Nia Jax. Uh, Nia Jax thinks that he's cute, she says on the microphone. Uh, I don't mind Reginald involved in this at all. I think it's great that he's actually involved in this and not in the Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair feud. There's no reason for him to be there at all, given the fact that Carmella is no longer involved in that. But now that he's involved with Nia Jax, that makes some type of narrative sense to me. So, uh, given the fact that she thinks that he's cute, and I think that's a perfectly legitimate thing to say. Uh, not, not that I think he's cute enough, but a perfectly legitimate uh, excuse to have him around. So with him continuing to be there, he can still put his impact on matches and stuff like that, but not be involved in such a high octane in a feud that writes its Not even a feud, but just a match that writes itself with Belair and Banks. You don't need any extra pizzazz or any extra sauce involved. You know, no, you're adding too many cooks to the kitchen. Way too many cooks, and meanwhile, uh, the best two flavors are right there in Banks and Bel Air. That's all you needed. You just needed those two. So, uh, that that's just me going off on the tangent there. Uh, Reginald uh, tries to trip Naomi towards the back end of the mat. Uh, match uh, baseball slide by Lana onto Reginald on the outside. The distraction allowed Jax to slam Lana to pick up the win and retain. Jax walks away carrying Reginald on her shoulder. I absolutely love it. I thought that was a great spot. And uh, good for Reginald to continuing to stay on TV because you know sometimes that can be tough, especially if something goes haywire. But they found another place for him to land. And if that stays on Monday Night Raw, I'm completely, completely, completely fine with that. Just stay away from Banks and Bel Air. Thank you very much. AJ Styles with Omos versus Randy Orton earlier in the night. Uh, AJ Styles and Omas were talking to Kevin Patrick, the new uh, WWE broadcaster and backstage correspondent. Uh, they were talking backstage to Kevin Patrick and talking about Randy Orton. Randy Orton happened to overhear, and uh, after a confrontation, this match came to be. And it, a pretty solid main event on paper. You got Styles versus Orton. What more can you ask for for a Raw main event? Styles slips out of the RKO early on. Orton drives Styles into the desk with Orton and Omos. Omos. They changed his name a thousand times already. Uh, locking eyes. Uh, the distraction allows Styles to regain control. Styles starts to bleed from the mouth after a really strong clothesline blow from Randy Orton. Orton slips out of the calf crusher, dropping uh, Styles with a draping DDT, uh, and then blowing kisses to Omos as well, which I thought was a nice touch, if you will. Omos pulls AJ 
out of the ring as Orton set, set up for the RKO. Alexa Bliss appears on the screen, uh, cranks a jack-in-the-box, but stops right before it goes off and patting it on the top saying not yet to the jack-in-the-box. Bliss blows out a match and then fire out of the ring post with a really, really nice explosion there, if you will, <laughs> with fire coming out of the ring post and not sparkles, damn it. Still very salty after Revolution. Uh, Bliss, after that explosion, Orton coughs up the black liquid that we saw him cough up weeks prior. Uh, Styles connects with a phenomenal forearm to win. And then Bliss laughs on screen as they fade to black. I thought this was a nice ending. Uh, even though it was a screwy ending, uh, the mythology of it and the mysticism of it I thought was really awesome. Uh, Orton coughing up black. I thought that was really, really cool as well. We saw it before, but now we get to see it again. I always wish he's wearing white in these situations, even though he never wears white. He always wears black. But the the black, the white ring on contrast of him coughing up the black, I thought was nice visual as well. AJ Styles also picking up the victory over Randy Orton is nice to see, given AJ Styles you know, needs to pick up victories like these over Orton, even though it's involved in the storyline. Randy Orton, probably going to be in a match against The Fiend at WrestleMania. Hopefully it is a cinematic match. Not that Randy Orton can't compete in matches anymore, but that's what Bray Wyatt does best. And I think for him to have a match last year versus Cena in a cinematic sense, and to have the next one against Orton in a cinematic sense, I hope next year's WrestleMania will be against Triple H or something like that. Why not? If you're going down the list of... Uh, mid 2000s early 2010 legends if you will <laughs> you run through that the trio you know the wrestlemania 24 uh pre-main event for the wwe championship still still holds a place in my heart but yeah i would love 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 to see a cinematic match between orton and the fiend once again and uh, for to him put the five five funhouse spin on it would be nice as well really dig into the mind of randy orton as we've uh, already started to, to to scratch at, if you will. Uh, I'm going to give this show a C+. Uh, it might seem a little low after all that I praised it, but really you know, got annoyed by the Shane McMahon stuff and Braun Strowman. I felt like that was kind of unnecessary, and especially after how they soiled it. But the Sheamus, Drew McIntyre stuff I thought was great, even though the false finish. Uh, the Miz, Bobby Lashley stuff getting out of the way early on was really nice. And a couple of the matches were short. I will say that. The Riddle and Slapjack stuff and the uh, Selton Benjamin and Xavier Woods stuff. But they did develop the story. So I will give credit where credit's due there. And uh, I, I don't mind Reginald. I really don't mind Reginald in this situation. He was at the wrong place, wrong time with uh, SmackDown. And now bring him over to Raw. Let him stay with Jackson Baszler. Let him do their thing. Whatever it is, it is. I'm willing to swallow that given the fact. And I honestly think it's going to be a good thing for them. And just keep them away from Banks and Belair. Simple as that. C plus, I'm happy with that grade. We're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, I'm going to talk about how female pro wrestling has changed from my childhood moving into today and into the future. So stick with us right here on the Daily DDT Podcast. On this day in pro wrestling history, on March 9th, 1996, ECW presented Big Ass Extreme Bash Night 2. I know, fantastic name for an ECW show noted for being the final appearance for mick foley before leaving for the wwf cactus jack defeated mikey whipwreck with a pile driver on a chair post-match he said his final words then danced off with stevie richards and the blue meanie mick foley said that this moment 
is his personal favorite moment in his wrestling career. And given that he has a lot of moments in his wrestling career, for this to be his favorite definitely is something to be noted as well and is now noted on this podcast. Moving on, uh, I want to talk about uh, females in professional wrestling. Yesterday was International Women's Day, which was awesome, and it is, I believe, uh, Women's Month as well, uh, the month of March, which is awesome. Uh, I'm going to do a lot of women-based uh, top 10 lists and moments, matches, uh, wrestlers, uh, everything. I'm going to try my best to cover it throughout the weekends because that's when the, the time is, is for, because not, not in between shows and stuff like that. And uh, I'll try my best, especially through the weekends, to try and fill uh, a ton of great content for you, bring on some people as well that I really want to talk to throughout this month of March during Women's History Month. So should be awesome and should be a great month as well. And uh, I felt like it would be a great way to honor it from coming from my perspective, uh, trying to give you a little bit of my childhood and how I perceive professional wrestling as a kid and how it has grown. And I hope that you find a relationship in that as well. So starting off with my childhood, 2008 Pro Wrestling and the WWE watching that, it was a weird, weird time. I will say that as a kid, I didn't really recognize it as such because it was such a new uh, program to me and such new content and for me everything was new everything was fresh I didn't really understand what was going on either as a kid uh, especially from how I perceive professional wrestling now uh, but as a kid I feel like that was a, at its purest form on what you truly truly enjoyed and uh, often uh, I viewed uh, the women as a sideshow behind the men which was obviously wrong but as a kid that's how it was sort of presented by the WWE you know, the main events were always men. The show was opened by men all the time. If you look at a pay-per-view, uh, even to this day, sadly, uh, it's always main evented by men. So uh, it was a shame then as well, given the great talent that was on that roster as well, that I grew up as a kid with Beth Phoenix, Michelle McCool, Mickey James, Alicia Fox, Molina, uh, other names, Kelly Kelly off the top of my head. You know, great, great talent in ring. Uh, Natalia obviously was still kicking butt. That's around her start around then. So uh, great, great talent in ring, but just not used to their absolute full potential given the times that professional wrestling was in then. It just, uh, women's matches just looked at as the sideshow and not the main event when they definitely could have been the main event then just given the names and talents. If those names were in the WWE today or in any other brand today, they would be top-level championship-worthy talent without a doubt. The dynamic for me started to change around 2013 with AJ Lee. Uh, she completely changed the game for me on what it meant to be a female pro wrestler. Not only was her in-ring work great, but she could also go toe-to-toe with anyone, anyone on the microphone. And uh, not to mention her counterpart, Paige, who, if it wasn't due to injury, could have been still killing the game today. So AJ Lee and Paige, especially AJ Lee in my head, she changed the definition of what it meant to be a quote-unquote diva at the time and hold the Divas Championship, her trading it with Paige. And honestly, AJ Lee's run as a Divas Champion didn't really feel like it was the Divas division at the time. It did feel kind of a little bit more of a women's division given the fact of how well she carried that whole division at the time, even though the great talent was there, she was at the top, the absolute top, and nobody gave her any crap, especially none of the fans, because we all knew what talent was there with AJ Lee and uh, how great she was at the time. Really, just top, top, next-level stuff. 
Uh, Nikki and Brie Bella can't continue to talk without mentioning them. Uh, they continue to carry the WWE flag to this day, even though they no longer wrestle and are now on reality shows and stuff like that. They still carry that WWE flag and uh, were great talents for their time. They definitely were. And, uh, you know, you can't really deny that in their influence of moving forward in the women's evolution and revolution, if you will, which is where we're moving to next. Uh, Charlotte Flair, Sasha Banks, Bailey, Becky Lynch, four names I just gave you, the four horsewomen, uh, superstars, absolute superstars. The women's division, the WWE today would be nowhere if it wasn't for those four women and their opportunities that they got, and not only the opportunities that they got, but the way that they seized those moments and honestly grabbed the bull by the horns and rode it all the way up until the main event of WrestleMania at WrestleMania 35. So it really next level stuff when you think about it and just the history of what the think about what I just talked about back in 2008 and how I perceived women's wrestling as a kid. It was the sideshow. And now as a grown adult, I watch it as part of the main show because that's where it deserves to be. And honestly, sometimes it's just better than the men, to be honest with you. I'm more excited to see Belair and Banks at Mania than I am to see Roman Reigns and Edge. And that's saying a lot because I really, really like Roman Reigns right now. I think he's doing great stuff. But uh, I, maybe it's just the construct I'm building in my head about Roman Reigns, but I think he's going to hold on to this title for a really long time. I have no clue what's going to happen between Banks and Belair. That story writes itself. And speaking of... The what's future for this women's division, just look at what they have in NXT. I like to call it the new wave of the women's division. They have Io Shirai, Shati Blackheart, Rhea Ripley, who's making her main roster debut soon. Ember Moon, Tony Storm, Kaylee Ray over at NXT UK. You're talking about talents that are going to take the women's division by the, the horns again and ride it to the main event again. I definitely see that with Io Shirai and Rhea Ripley. Those two names in general, Io Shirai, being the leader of that women's division right now in NXT as the NXT Women's Champion, and Rhea Ripley, a former NXT Women's Champion, now making her way up to the main roster. I hope things really, really work out well for her, and I think they will, especially with the way that Asuka's been booked lately. I think Rhea Ripley has a really good shot at being the next Raw Women's Champion. I know you might call me crazy for that, for her you know, making her debut soon, and I'm already pinning her in as the next Raw Women's Champion, especially with Charlotte Flair in that same division, but... It definitely, definitely, definitely could happen. So I'm excited for the future of the women's division. I know you are too. And be excited for the rest of this month because we could see some great, great, great things. Uh, especially on this podcast because I'm going to be ready to bring in some some uh, listeners and bring in some, uh, especially some writers from Daily DDT to talk about the future of women's wrestling. A preview for next episode tonight is Impact Wrestling. There's going to be a contract signing between the Good Brothers and Finjuice for the Impact World Tag Team titles at Sacrifice. Ace Austin versus Chris Bay, Shira and Rohit Raju versus James Storm and Chris Saban. And on BTI, Madman Fulton versus TJP. Should be a fun one on Impact Wrestling. I'm really excited to see what they do with Moose and Rich Swan going forward. I really hope Moose wins that Impact World title at sacrifice but that's all for me you can catch this podcast on all your favorite providers make sure you subscribe on apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode and remember you can ask your smart device to play the daily ddt podcast if you like content like this check out our writers at dailyddt.com and if you want to hear more from me give me a follow on twitter and instagram at jaden becker tv 
I'll see you tomorrow with another episode of the Daily DDT Podcast.